like you black, they don't like you. You got a son on the way. If they take you away, he go mess around and be just like Welcome to Escape the Bubble Podcast, sharing the heroic stories of West Michigan's youth that often go unheard. I'm your host, AJ Westendorp, and we've got part two of Maurice's story for you today. If you haven't listened to part one, I'd recommend you start there. That will give a lot of Maurice's story and context as we come into part two. If you need to jog your memory from part one, um, Maurice told us about his experience growing up with dad in and out of jail, mom doing her best but not always being around, uh, some of the friends he grew up with and how that led into some mischief and then some deeper trouble. He shared with us his experience of getting kicked out of school, having some negative experiences with the police and where that lands him today. But as he shares with us in this episode, He still hasn't given up. Part two brings his reflections on birth, death, faith, and what it's like to navigate his world. We're joined again by the founder and executive director of Escape Ministries, Willie Watt, and we'll jump right in. On paper, man, you're, to somebody who doesn't know you, you have a pretty high chance of repeating some of the same patterns that your dad modeled to you. Yeah. You've been kicked out of school, you've been locked up in juvie, uh, you had friends that were involved in gangs and, and killed even. Those are all those risk factors that you see on paper of, well, you know, this kid's probably going to end up in prison. Are you going to repeat the same patterns that your dad set for you? Or what's, what's different about you? Um, or for me, knowing you, I feel differently. I feel like you have a lot of gifts and a lot of reasons to believe that you can be a great father and a great person going forward. But if I'm looking at a paper instead of a person, I might not see that. Yeah. Really, what changed me, really, is I got, like, I caught two charges, like, back to back. And it was like, one of them was a felony. So they ended up taking me to juvie for it. And during that, like, I've been doing so much, like, stuff, like, I was just been out of my head. And when I went in there, it was just, like, I was, t- like, tripping on everybody, cussing everybody out, like, everything. And I finally got and sat down and stuff, and I'm calm, and I was just, like, laughing with the lady and stuff. And then the dude that came in there, he like, oh, he like, you Maurice Hawkins, your son? And I'm like, yeah, he like, man, you just like your dad. He like, he like. He was just like you. You'd be angry when you first came in, but as soon as he got down and sat down, he would be he like the coolest person ever to talk to. This was one of the staff at Juvie? Yeah. And I was just like I was just like, dang. And then I went in there again. Like I went in my like pod or whatever. And then we went to class and another lady told me the same thing. How and does it make you feel when someone tells you you're just like your dad? You're not a bad guy. He do bad stuff, and that's where lands him where he was. That's what even they tell me. But it's just I don't want to be like that. I don't want to. Nah, not at all. I don't care. Like he don't want me to be like that. Me figuring out I'm like him give me a chance to like be able to change myself and be the good parts of him and leave the bad parts alone. Sure. So if I'm a skeptic, and I don't think you're going to be any different than your dad, you're not going to be able to change those patterns, what what would you tell me? Like, what are you going to do 
that's going to make you different from those decisions that your dad made? I mean, first off, my dad really didn't even think I was his, so he wasn't there during the pregnancy for real. So when he did, like, when I was, he was there when I was born. But, like, yeah, just I'm already doing better in that area. So where me and your story kind of differs with our father is that I had a father that was that was there but wasn't there. Let me explain. Um, he would be there for dinner and and to see my mom and then be gone for long periods of time. You know, I I knew that he was in a gang at the time, and I've you know he would be outside with his friends drinking and smoking. And then next thing you know, he's gone for a week. So, you know, in that week, I felt that, you know, I'm the man of the house. And then he would come back and, um, you know, try to take control of the house again. And, and it was getting really bad of watching this man. And then, I, then when you get older, you find out that he had several different homes he was taking care of. You know, I had a brother that was almost the same age as me. So he's living in two different houses. And when you get older, you get angry about that because you wonder, man, I'm your son. Why didn't you, why weren't you there for me? So for me, really, growing up without my father being there and being so afraid of him in, in the other cases, is it was, it's like, man, when I have my kids, what type of father am I going to be? You know, and the sad thing is this. Parents teach their kids without having to say a word. I swore up and down that I would never be like my father. But in some cases, I turned out exactly like him. So you, you end up being just like, I end up being just like him. I raised my kids just like he raised me with a stern hand. And and it's only because I didn't know any better. And even when I had my, my stepfather came in my life, who was a good man, I rebelled on that because of the fact that he was, I didn't feel that he wasn't, was my father, even though he was raising me. But when I got older, I got to accept him as my father and, and try my best to change. But now you've been conditioned to think and feel a certain way. And then you become that person, you know, unless you really are grounded, you know, in faith and, and, and different things. And I didn't have too many friends or people in my life that could steer me in the right direction. I feel different because I'm different from the jump. I've been doing everything I need to do for my kid. Like, I, every morning, like, I just wake up and I, like, think about what I need to do for him and he not even he coming in one month like he not here yet I got everything he needs like this is out of my choice this is out of my money like out of my pocket and I'm doing it because I want him to be okay I want him to be able to be comfortable I want I want to clean up my room like I'm people that know me in the back like know me they know I used to smoke heavy like in my room just do stuff like that my room cleaned up. I don't even eat in my room. I don't like I went and we washed the carpets, everything. Like I got baby stuff. All my room looked like a nursery. Like <laughs> literally, like it would give me another chance to like have another side of trying to like give 
somebody a good life. Like, I didn't really have a, like, my mama, she did the best she can, but it was just her. If it's me and my, like, baby mama, we could really make something. We could really have fun, like, go to the zoo, do stuff like that, just do fun stuff, like, be a family. Like, I'm just not the same. I, my whole, my dad was out of school by this point. Like, all the, like, I've been kicked out of school since I was 13. I could have gave up a long time ago. Said, F, my life, been in jail, juvie. I've been doing this thing. That's what I, a lot of people don't get. I got a lot of fight in me because I kept mm. it going this whole time. I kept, like, I'm still in school and this is about to be my senior year. And I wanted to give up way before I even went into middle school. Like, I mean, like, when I first got into middle school. So that's long time for going yeah. from sixth grade to twelfth grade trying to just make everything act like it's all right, but it's not like I don't know. But I still did it and I'm trying to be something and then I'm gonna do something beyond that. I'm just my whole goals, my motivation is how I am. Like I'm not like them. But we look like we got some of the same, you know, ways of how we do things and how we are and some of my like values, like he can keep a job, like he he can go from his he'll go from like a stalker to being a supervisor manager, like or like being the highest manager, like he good at work and his work ethic is real good, and that's where mm-hmm. I get that from. Yeah, I want to touch on something you said about your mom. You know, you said you know she was trying her best when you were younger, but you know she was going through it on her own. And you said you felt like she couldn't be herself because she was so busy trying to just make it, right? She couldn't be the mother that she probably wanted to be because of her situation. I feel like we often miss that, that mothers who are burning the candle at both ends, carrying the load of two people, we got to understand just what they're going through before we make judgments on how they're parenting their kids or what they are or aren't able to do. But... um, Tell me about who your mom is as a person, what your relationship with her has been like, and what it's like. What have you come to know your your mother for? Yeah. I really love my mom. Like, when I didn't have nobody, like, I had her. Like, every time, through everything I've been through, I've had it through it. Like, I don't know. She's a strong woman. Like, yeah, just stuff like that. Like, my mama, she's a good person. She will always look out for you. She would give you her last. And what are some of the qualities about your mom? Like, she giving, real giving. Like, then she just she hard working. Like, when she would work so many like just jobs, just so many like she'll work a job like where she'll go clean up just them apartments like Oxford and all them. Mm-hmm. She just she wanted to get money how she could so she could make a better like a life for us. She went through school and she was working. And it's just like she always did what she like. My mama didn't even eat. Like I watched her go from being like real like my mama wasn't fat, but she was like like she was bigger. But mm-hmm. she went to like littler than my size. Like, but it was just like we was the ones that helped her. Like we, my sister cooked every night before she got home. I would we would do our chores because we knew if we didn't get our do our chores, we'd get cussed out. Just stuff like that. Like. Even when we was younger, we was all sister. We was a family. We made it all work. Like me, my brother, and my sister. We always done that. Yeah. 
She's a hero for you. Yeah. If I didn't have her in my life, I've been in jail. Wow. I did. Dang, man. That's real. Yeah. What do you want to be in the future? I mean, right now you're 16, going your senior year. What's what's gonna? What are you hoping comes after that? I mean, what I really, I just wanna make money for it. And what I'm gonna do is gonna go for a trade to the M Tech after I after I graduate high school. That's only two days out the week, so I can still take care of my child and work too. And that just would be the best opportunity, like the best thing for me to do. So I get certified for a trade like plumbing or electrician, like something like that. It pays a lot. Uh, it's not a lot of people can just do it. It's like no machine can just do it. So like, yeah, I wanna. Yeah, feel like that'd be the best option for me. Sure. That'll be exciting to see. I want to ask a question to both you guys because I know you share this. Will, I know you grew grew up more than associated with gangs, well acquainted, well involved. Um, and Maurice, I know it's been a part of your life too of being associated with. Uh, he's a gang kid. Um, talk about maybe some of the things that people out there need to understand about about gangs, or maybe some of the misconceptions about what a gang is and what is not. Uh, with me, like real life. Me and all my friends, people call us a gang, yeah, because what we do together, like, we do everything together. Like, when it come down to just, we was little, we was young when we met each other. We didn't have no dad, like, none of that. We had our mama, and our mama couldn't really do nothing for us. We was bummy, we didn't have no clothes, no nothing. When we met each other and we clicked up, that's when we got something. And because all of us together, when we was with each other, we had something. We made each other have something. If it was, if we had to take it, it like, you know, like, we just, I felt like, and then it's not like everybody says it's a gang or that. That's like, they was my brothers. Like, we would be, have no food, go find some food, go get something, like, a snacks or something from the store. Like, just nothing. Like, not have anything come up, have something together. Like, yeah, just kids making it. You know, I remember when I when I first figured out I need to join a gang is when my sister almost got raped. They pulled her into the alley, and I got beat up trying to pull them off of them. And from that day forward, I said, "Hey, I got I need some help for protection." You know, and it was easy to make that decision. But once I got in, I found out that I was lied. I was lied to. You know. They was my family. Oh, when I needed food, here's some money. When I needed shoes, here's some money. But in return, hey, I need this done. You know, and if you wouldn't do it, you got beat or you would get killed. You know, so it, it's, it's different, but it's, it's understandable. You know, that's why I, I try to tell people, don't, don't look at us in a way that this is something that we just jumped into and just want to do. There's situations in our life that force us to make decisions like that without thinking it all the way through, but it makes perfectly good sense at the time, right? Because I remember telling you, I'm like, man, I worry about you every weekend. Because I remember hearing about 
people jumping out of cars with machetes and stuff, chasing you and stuff. You know, people don't understand the reasonings why we get in it. They think we have better decisions that we can make. But if you don't have no decision, you know, you make what's best for you at that time. And that's either get your shoes or your jacket or your life taken or get into something where somebody's going to be watching your back. Someone I really look up to is Father Greg Boyle, who works with Homeboy Industries in L.A. And his theory is that he knows nobody who has gotten into gangs looking for something, hoping for something. In his experience with working with ex-gangsters, everyone who goes into a gang is running from something. Talk to me about that, Maurice or Will. Do you guys feel like that? And in, in your case, what were you running from? For me, I was I was running I was running from the known weaknesses that I had, the weaknesses of knowing that I could not absolutely protect myself or my family. I would not kill anyone, but I need to be around somebody who would. I just wanted to live. I I I, I just wanted to get through the week without having my sisters or my home or my life threatened walking home just from school. You know, um, I wanted, we want the best. We, we want the best, but then when you jump into that life and you find out that, man, this is not, this is not what I thought. I, I still, to this day, have nightmares of the stuff that I've seen done, that I was asked to do and wouldn't do, and somebody shoot somebody in the face right in front of me. I can't, I can't shake that. I can't get that out of my head. And, and, and seeing those things and growing up that I, I, sh- I shut down. I want to share this because um, people need to understand that if we don't deal with these traumas that we have, the traumas that we have that we've grown up with, it's going to be doubly hard to live through it as an adult. Like um, acceptance. I had a teacher told me I'd never amount to be anything. Oh, I'll be dead before this, I'll be that, or, or, or that. And so I never felt that I was good enough for anything. Everything I tried, I seemed to fail at. And then it got to a point where I didn't care about failing. It didn't matter because nobody cared anyway. And, and, and that can carry on into your into your, your adulthood. Like right now, I'm always asking for affirmation. Did I do a good job? Am I doing a good job? And if we don't take care of these things at a young age or, or even understand that we have these deep things that's in us that we need to talk about, it's going to hurt us when we get older. Yeah, that's good. That's helpful. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a minute with Escape the Bubble podcast. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Escape the Bubble has a real corporate sponsor. Showcase Concrete Solutions. Specializing in epoxy coatings for concrete garages, basements, break rooms, auto shops. They'll transform it from dingy to delightful all in a day's work. Go on and take a look at your garage right now. Like actually go there and look at it. You're probably looking at oil stains, cracks, dust, 
a surface no one wants to be caught on in bare feet. You could be doing better. You could call Showcase Concrete Solutions to put a speckled epoxy coating available in 10 colors to cut down on dust and dirt and make your garage feel like a palace for automobiles. You can find them on their Facebook page. Just search for Showcase Concrete Solutions or call 616-212-9197 and ask for Seth. Locally based in Holland, Michigan, you're getting quality service from good human beings. And we love good human beings. Showcase Concrete Solutions, the pioneer sponsor of Escape the Bubble podcast. And we're back with Escape the Bubble. And doesn't it feel good to have a real sponsor on the show? Makes me feel like we moved up to the next tier of the podcasting realm. I'm going to miss those fake commercials, but I got a feeling they'll find their way back into the show. Don't you worry. So we were talking a little bit about gangs, why, why you would join a gang, how it kind of started. And for you, there's just some young people that you could relate with that you found some sense of belonging. Uh, when that became dangerous and that becomes harmful, um, I'm sure plenty of people out there are like, why don't you just leave? Uh, why don't you just find better friends? I know for you, a, a number of times you tried to like pull away from the drama, pull away from the back and forth, the rivalry um, that was happening and some of the violence that was going on. What happens when you try to pull away? Because I know that it's still kind of materialized, like stuff was still going on at school even when you tried to pull away. So when you try to pull away, they try to play you. Like right now, I'm getting played because I'm trying to do what's best for me and my son. But I'm, they saying I'm scary. They saying that I'm ducking them. Like I don't want this problem with them. So... I'm scared of them and mm. I fear them so much. That's the reason why I like this. That's why I'm doing that. And, so like and trying it, to antagonize you. Yeah, and it's glor like they're glorifying it. Like they're trying to make it seem like the me changing for my child is bad because, like, one of they people's got a baby and it like you know he didn't change. Like mm -hmm. that's what somebody even said to me. Like, my bro got a baby. He's still thugging. Like. Oh. Mm -hmm. No, I want to change, bro. I want to be better. I don't want to deal with that. Like thugging is the life that's the, the ultimate to attain, right? Yeah, like that's how they feel. And I just want to like do good. I just want to, yeah, like I don't want to be like that. But even sometimes your homie might even try to play you because mm -hmm. he feel like you might need to be in Like, why are you doing this, bro? Like, they scared for me. Like, you just mm -hmm. going to leave these people alone, but you think they going to leave you alone? Like, you think you still going to be able to just walk around? And they not going to do nothing. Yeah. So it's just like, you kind of can't leave it alone unless mm. you just like doing what I'm doing and ignoring it. And when they run, when they catch up to you, you kind of got to deal with it. Because that was happening to you at school too, right? After after your friend died, you were trying to pull away, mm -hmm. but things still kept coming in your direction, right? Yeah, literally. So many times this happened to me. Before my friend died, I tried to do good. When he died, what like? It was like, why why do good if every time I do good, I'm going to get played for it or I'm going to have somebody, like, something bad happen to me. Mm -hmm. So it's just, that had my mental messed up for a whole year. A whole yeah. year just was messed up. Like I didn't... Yeah. So it's not as easy as just saying, remove yourself from those people. 
what kind of stuff were they doing to you? Just like coming up, like bugging you in the hallway or texting you or like stuff on social media or what was it? I mean, I had people like pull up on me trying to, I don't got to taste 15 deep, trying to hop out the car like with bass and stuff, yeah. trying to hit me with the car and stuff. Like, I didn't just, when I'm at school, trying to go to the bus stop, trying to hurt me for real, for real. Yeah. Like, and people wonder why you carried a knife on you. I have right? <laughs> over two people every time that just trying to hurt me. So I was by myself. Like, I had grown people pulling up on me, trying to hurt me. Every time I go to the store or something, like, a whole bunch of grown people, like, they're trying to hurt me. And I don't, I'm 15, like, at the right. time. Like, what am I supposed to do? How do I feel? Like, of course I'm going to need anything that's going to protect me in that moment. Maurice, what kind of labels have people put on you? Angry, hostile, rude. I only care about myself. I'm lightheaded or something. Like sure. That. You told me once, like, you felt like you were a statistic. Because I got a baby, 16, got tattoos. They say I'm a gang member. They just, like, all of that stuff. Just a regular black person, like. So who are you really beneath the surface? Who is who is Maurice really? I'm cool. Like I'm probably one of the coolest dudes you ever meet. I'm funny. If you meet me, I'm real down to earth and I really won't disrespect you regardless of your like color or anything. If it's just how you mess with me, it's your vibe. If your vibe is genuine, then I'm gonna mess with you. I can definitely say that's true. Um, you're someone who I feel like I have a lot to learn from. Like you're a great storyteller, and I think you're somebody that that other people should listen to. And I see that in your future. Like I think you could be somebody who really inspires other people, who really guides other people. Um, and I think you could be a great father. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Definitely, man. Definitely. I remember when I you first came to Escape, man. I, you had this this persona about you like you was tough and you you all bad and everything, but I could tell at the time that you was a, a young man who was dealing with a lot of stuff and had to grow up really quickly and um, really didn't have a lot of guidance. I could tell that you were smart because when you when you really got to getting your work done, man, you just flourished on it. Uh, communication was good. You didn't pull your pants up half the time, but still, <laughs> I could see that you didn't have that love for yourself that most people had for you. Mm. You know, I remember at one couple times, you almost felt that you was dumb, and you're not. And I could just tell that a lot of teachers may have made you feel dumb when you was actually smart. You said when you were young, you said you needed someone to be with. That phrase really, really stuck with me. And you said that was where some of that anger came from. You were looking for someone to be with you and have that person growing up. Um, what would have been helpful for a young Maurice, you know, in the school system or outside in the community that would have, that you would have grabbed onto or like looking back, like oh, it would have been, I wish I would have had this in my life at that point. Oh no. You know how like 
in the elementary school, they do the, like, it's like a different classroom, and they just, like, if you acting up or anything, they take you there. Mm-hmm. Like, I really feel like they just kind of get, like, a cool person that just kind of get what you go through, like, they put them in that room, because, like, I feel like them people are good. I just, yeah, like, if they have somebody like that, maybe have somebody that can, like, relate to me, relate to, like... Just different backgrounds, different everything, and they can actually maybe help the kids in high school and stuff like that. Because in high school, that's where a lot of people have problems. They feel depressed. They've like all them mm-hmm. problems, like all those problems that seem small in elementary yeah. school always become big things. It's, or you're acting up in class, and now all of a sudden you're depressed and suicidal, yeah, or you're angry, like, right? Somebody who with you, like literally, yeah. like somebody who could just. Be on your team, even when like you're going through your problems at home or wherever you're going through. And like you know, when you come to school, that's not the place you have to worry about it mm-hmm. at. Because yeah. I would have my problems at home, but I would come to school and my problems would be horrible at school too. So right. it's just, yeah, like, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that can be a tough thing. If I'm a high school, you know, I look at something like, oh, we got a school counselor. But kind of like you said, that's a one, like, that, that's a program, people, yeah. you know. And there's and there's so many people. You just coming in their office, going out, and it's got to be more personal than that. So I'm hearing you say, and more more consistent. Will with your experience at Escape, I mean, do you think that would be helpful? Just having having more mentor figures present at the school, in the school system. The one thing that I always felt that's really needed, they need to look past. You know this counselor, this, this, these individuals that that in a sense could help the kid, but I just think they're overloaded. Like they have yeah. too many cases on their plate to really be a an ally, right? They and feel- and you, that's the word ally. These kids need allies in the school. They need somebody that they can relate to and say, "Hey, I'm having a problem. I heard this guy ready to jump me or do something. What do you think I should do?" Or how should I handle it? They need to have more people that these kids trust be a part of the school, be a part of the hallway conversations when the kids are walking, be there as a an individual that's ready and willing to communicate with the kids. Right, and the good times and the bad, because sometimes it's right. just pizza and an apple and a chocolate milk and checking in on life, right? Because these kids might be coming from some crazy stuff that's going on at home, and they don't have nobody to talk to. I, I, one person I remember, they call him the it was a hot, hot dog boy, or something. This kid <laughs> w- was getting kicked out of Holland High every Monday. Every Monday he would get kicked out of Holland High, and um, so they started telling, having him come here. And I found out, and the staff found out right away, he didn't have food at home. So on Monday. He wasn't prepared to be listening to anyone because he was probably starving. And unless he got something to eat, he wasn't going to pay attention to no one. Right. But if there was somebody who was able to talk to him about that, sit with him, they would find that out. And then, you know, there's half your problems gone. All right, guys, thanks for listening. But we're going to take a break right now and come back with the Escape Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on the show, we'd love to hear from you and hear your stories, maybe some stories of you escaping your bubble. 
you can reach out to us here at connections at escape-out.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook at escapeyfgk. You'll see what's going on behind the scenes with all these young people uh, getting summer jobs, getting back in school. It's pretty inspiring what they're able to accomplish. Also, if you want to support or sponsor the podcast, you already know we're all about that. Uh, But even more so, I'd love if you would share the podcast with a friend who you feel like would appreciate escaping their bubble. In any of those ways, we're investing in young people learning to share their stories in a way that's meaningful and investing in our community being able to listen to stories of people that might not be in their bubble. Thanks for being along for the journey. It's been fun. Hey, it's AJ just here to let you know that Escape the Bubble would totally be possible even without Not That Bad House Cleaners because they don't give us a dime. Not That Bad House Cleaners is a new entrepreneurial project of mostly males who will not go above and beyond to give your house that fresh, clean feeling. They say everyone loves a clean home, but not that bad. We like a clean home, and we're going to take a realistic mindset at it. Knowing that things will just get dirty again, we do away with perfectionistic burdens like leave it spotless or make it shine. Listen, it's a bathroom where people's bodily impurities are dealt with, so make it shine? Really? Let's just make it sanitary and comfortable, but not go overboard. Not that bad house cleaners. It's better than it used to be, right? Call 1-800-NOT-THAT-BAD and see what happens. And we're back with Escape the Bubble podcast. We're here with Maurice. He's helping us escape the bubble of our lives as we're inspired by his story to help us move towards understanding across different cultures and contexts. All right, so away from some of the serious stuff. What do you like to do in your spare time, man? Like, do you listen to music or video games or sports or any hobbies that you got? I like to rap and play the game. You like to rap? Yeah. You got some of your own tracks out there? Yeah. You gonna you gonna bless us with any of that right now, or is that classified information? Yeah, that's classified. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why do you like to rap? It's really like. I'm starting to figure out it's my passion. It's what I really like. I'm really good at it. It's just... And then I'm starting to rap about other stuff. Like, I got a song that got probably like one, two cuss words in it. And it's just like, I'm talking about myself. Everything's about me. And that's how I know I'm a rapper. Like, I'm good at it because I'm not talking about nobody else. I'm talking about myself. And it's just, I get to explain my story. Yeah. Yeah. Who are some rappers that you like to model after or that like you like to listen to or look up to? So if I wanna be like anybody, I wanna be like either Jay Z, Diddy, like Snoop Dogg. One of the legends are still alive. Like they good wherever they go first off. They know they faces known and like I'm, you're talking face. to a nineties child and I know all those names, man. Like I I was listening to Jay Z and Snoop Dogg. Like their names is gonna be known forever, they're moguls. So like yeah, that's how I wanna be. 
You kind of got to drive in a classic car. Yes, and they just, they're normal. Like, they wear normal clothes. Like, when they want to go and pop out, they do that. But they're just normal guys. Like, kind of like they've already arrived, so they're not trying to prove nothing. Yeah, that's how I like Okay. Y'all need to listen to, like, Rakim and, and Nas and the older, older old school rappers, man. They they tell they tell the stories. They've been telling the stories. I mean, even listen to NWA if you can get past all of the cuss words. <laughs> they they told a story of the of the struggles that was going on. And hey, I, I have to give the name out Eminem because of the lyrics that he he, he speaks. He's an artist. Okay, tell me. What's your relationship with God like right now? Me personally. Um, I don't be- like believe in God. I believe in some. I don't even know. I feel like karma real. I don't feel like God real because all the bad stuff that happened to me, you know, I just kind of, I ain't put the blame on it, but I just like, you know, some stuff just don't make sense to me. So mm-hmm. I just don't believe in it right now. So with your lived experience, it's like I, you haven't seen the evidence of God enough to make it be like, oh, I yeah. definitely believe this. But I've seen the evidence of karma a lot. Like <laughs> whatever you do, come back or you, like your energy you give out, if it's good or bad, it come like back on you for real, for real. So that's where like I just believe in doing mm-hmm. good. Were you raised with any kind of? Like faith, like with your mom and dad, or is that not really yeah. part of your house? My every my mom and like she a real Christian. My dad, he do bad, so he can't really be a Christian. Like he, like he just I don't know. But his mama and like my great, like my grannies and stuff. He, she, a, my grandpa, a pastor, and my granny, she sing for the choir. Now my other family on that side, they go to church like every Sunday. I'm just not that type. Mm-hmm. We're different. This may or may not be on the podcast, but how did how did your friend dying shape your belief system or your faith? Like, did that make you, was that like a reality check and make you want to come closer to God? Or did that hurt your relationship because you're like, see, just another bad thing that's happening? It ain't even like I just be, you know, like how some people like, Oh, I'm blaming God for all my problems. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't. I just, when DJ died, that was kind of like I had a little bit of faith in God. Like, I, even mm-hmm. before TJ died, it's never really been my thing, but I had a little bit of faith. But, no, that went out the window when TJ died. Okay. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like, now if I go to a funeral, make me sick by, like, okay. what they talk about. Like I just don't like I don't feel like it's true. I feel like everything they tell me lying to me. Like, wow. like I don't feel like I'm gonna ever see my friend again because we're not. Like he's dead. When I'm dead, I'm gonna be dead. Like I don't feel like I'm gonna go nowhere. I feel like I don't know. That's interesting because like for me, when I was 15, I had a really different experience, and I had a close friend of mine die in a car accident, and that was actually one of the most formative parts of my growth in faith as a young person was walking past him in the casket, and his parents literally 
like coming alongside me when I'm there struck, like not having any words to say. They said, AJ, like make this mean something, make your life matter, put Jesus first, um, live your life to the fullest and, and, and make this mean something. And that hit me so, so strongly that like his parents were, were saying that in the middle of their tragedy said like live for God's glory and I'm like that just kind of like sunk the roots of like my purpose and the reason that I'm here down so much deeper and so now when I go to a funeral it's quite the opposite I'm like reminded of when my friend Kyle died and that was like my first like big funeral experience and it's interesting to me that in two different scenarios right one can push you further away and the other one brings me a lot closer I was like, when TJ died, I was just sitting there the whole time. Like, when it was, I just was crying because, like, what they was talking about was just so, like, dumb to me. Not even dumb. It's just like, my friend died, bro. Like, he's dead right now. Like, I want to see him right now. I can't, like, you feel me? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to wait till later on in life. Like, he did horror. Like, we lived the same life. Like, how you think he. Even if heaven and hell is real, where you think he's going? Mm. Where you think anybody I'm like? That's another thing. Like, where you think my people is going mm. to hell? Like, right. So the the hope of heaven that's not a motivation for you. Yeah, it's right? not. So, yeah. Cause who am I gonna go up there with myself? Right. <laughs> myself and my little baby sister that died at like yeah. two. Like, wow. ain't nobody else gonna be up there for real. All my people's gonna be in hell. Like, that's what I be thinking about a lot. So, uh, no. I think a lot of that depends on who your, who your image of God is growing up, you know, and what you've, and what you've seen. And, um, I think there's still a, there's still a space for you to, to grow. And for me too, to, to grow and understand God a new way. Even you sharing that helps me think about God in a different way. But, you know, understanding that, you know, God is, God is someone who's for us, not against us. I think that's something good for you to hear today. Um, you know, kind of like the police officer that you were saying, like, I can see how you see police officers, someone that's not for you, right? And I can see, based on your life and your lived experience, how you can see God as someone who is not for you. Because your life has been hard, man. I'm um, hoping one day you will be. Because a lot of people are a lot happier when they, like, accept Jesus or whatever. Mm-hmm. But and so I hope your your lived experience and your faith helps you to be able to see not just God, but also see the world as somewhere that is full of hope rather than pushing you down against you. I think that's where the, the whisper of God is, hey, there's good news somewhere in this whole mess. There's good news and we're going to we're going to look for that and we're going to find that and we're going to seek that. Um, that will probably look very different for you than it does for me. But I hope that can sink in in some way, in your own way. And I'm with you in that journey. And I've 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 got a lot to learn from you too. Yeah. What do you want to say to some people out there that's in your generation right now? Don't try to be cool. Don't try to be the popular kid because most times the popular kid might be the most unhappiest. And then don't try to change yourself for people that's not like, you can be yourself and people will like that. What do you want to say to kids out there who are growing up in tough situations like, like you did? I just tell them, like, 
Keep your head strong, good bro. Like, you just got to really remain positive through it all because a lot of people going to come and go. Like, yeah, you're going to be filled with pain a lot. So, like, just don't let it affect your decisions on what you do after it. Just let the pain deal with it and learn from it and move on. Don't let it make you go do something dumb or get in trouble or something like that. Will, what will you say? For all you young men out there that that don't have a father, there are men out here. Find one. Talk to them. Don't be afraid. Don't call them lame because they don't look like you or act like you. There are men that's willing to give you guidance, and you know exactly who they are. You might have laughed at them. You might have kept your distance from them because you felt that they might not understand or they know too much about you, too. You have to find someone that you can console in that can help you get past this trauma that you dealt with without having a father in your life. Everyone needs a male in their life for guidance. And for friendship, we need that brotherly love to have with somebody because then if you don't find the right person, you're going to find the wrong person. Mm. And if you find the wrong person, you're only going to go in the wrong direction. Don't be afraid to do good things. Don't be afraid. What do you want to say to adults out there? Maybe teachers or parents or other people listening What do you think the older generation needs to understand, especially hearing your story? So for parents, like, with your kids, don't just, like, if they get in trouble or something, don't make them feel like they the horriblest in the world. Like, tell them that it's wrong. Make them know it's wrong, but, like, let them know they can move on from it. They can do something better. And if they know that you're there to support them, they're going to be there. And then if your kid doing bad, like if you try to keep him in the house, he going he to sneak out most of the time. So, like, it's just try to do it to, like, try to really understand your kid, get to know him, like, who he is, what, like, he does with his friends. Try to figure that out because most of the time, what he do with his friends probably just you probably be okay with it because it's nothing. Like, mm-hmm. and to police, uh, I don't know, but y'all could be a little nicer. And what does being nicer look like, though? Don't disrespect me because you feel like you have authority. I understand you have authority and I respect you, but everybody deserves respect as a human being. And what you did to me wasn't a respectful thing. Like, if you are a cool cop and you're respectful, I'm going to be okay. Like, I will never have a problem with you. It's just, yeah, some cops are really just disrespectful. To teachers, not that kid, like, you feel like you got that bad kid in your classroom, just kind of try to figure out what's wrong with them. Don't just kick them out. I don't know. Like, if I had somebody that just a teacher that just really messed with me, that that just wanted to see me do good, maybe I would have, like, 
but I was so bad, they just, you know, keep going. Like, you just keep going to the next grade, the next grade. Like, mm-hmm. they forget about you. Like yeah. It means a lot to be seen. Yeah, and just, when you feel like you're being pushed in the corner or pushed to the side, say, hey, let's just get through it. It sounds like from your story, like, that's just going to make you disengage more. Yeah. But that always been, like, I always been the one, like, they, like, just, I've been the one, and now I'm not seeing, but i just been always disengaged from the class, like, because of, I was never seen, I was never noticed. But before I was bad, that's what got me noticed, was me mm-hmm. being, me acting out when I was younger, like, me fighting people, doing all that stuff, that's what got me noticed. Mm. And did, then it, did it feel good to get noticed? Yeah, then it, right. like, started getting more worse and worse. And but then like you that. figure out, well, it feels good to get noticed, but then it puts you further behind. And Yeah, and I didn't really figure that out till yeah. now, probably. Like, I've been, me thinking about it, I've been just probably maybe trying to get noticed the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then when my mama noticed me, it was just... Been kind of being cool lately. Yeah, I wonder what it would have been like for you if you would have if you would have had a teacher or an experience or something that would have made you feel at home in school or would have made you feel like school is something you could be good at. I wonder how your life would have been different. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I could have been graduated by now. Right. Okay, it's time to drop some knowledge now. What's a quote or something you heard? That you um that you like? Well mine it's a song by this rapper and he like he like you young, you black, they don't like you. You got a son on the way. If they take you away, he gonna mess around and be just like you. And that just that mean a lot to me personally, cause I'm young, I'm black a lot of people, yeah. And I got a son on the way. And if I keep Doing how I was doing, they will take me away. He will be just like me. So, yeah, that hit hard. It's almost like that song is talking right to you, right? <laughs> literally. <laughs> like, literally, it's talking right to me. Because a thousand people can feel what I'm, a million people can right. feel what I'm going through right now. Yeah. But you got that opportunity to, to be the one who changes the story of your whole family who changes the generational pattern of your whole family, that's an opportunity for you. And that's a that's that's a burden on your shoulders, too. It's like, hey, it's on me. I'm going to continue it or I'm going to stop it. And we don't know yet. That's what we kind of got to figure out. Like, I know I'm going to stop it, but, like, it's kind of, like, sometimes, like, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm trying. So yeah. I know I'm going to try to the best of my ability to be there for my son to... Do everything, not just financially, but emotionally and physically too. Like be there for him, like when he really need me type stuff, so he don't feel like he have to go have another group of dudes go do that for him. Cause he's got what he needs right with you, right? Mm-hmm. That's powerful. That's powerful. I hope that anybody listening to this podcast really do listen to this young man say, "Hey." I'm going to go to Escapes and want to meet this young man and take him out to lunch. Or or I might have a job for him or get to know who this young man is. Right. Or you might have that kid in your neighborhood or in your church or around your school that you haven't really had the guts to reach out to because it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit intentional. It's a little bit different. Um, obviously, you got to be safe with that stuff. But, but man, those 
those relationships can go somewhere, but someone's got to take the first step. Only through relationship that you truly can really do God's work. Uh, you can't do it at a distance. You can't do it with just dropping money into a ministry or an organization and say, I did my part. You know, God has given each one of us a gift. And the sad thing is, is that if we don't use that gift for God's glory, uh, we'll never get to having heaven on earth. I want to give space on this podcast for you to give some shout outs to people who have really meant something to you or who have helped you out a lot in life. But first, I want you to tell me a story about one person in particular who's really helped you out in life. Okay, honestly, yeah, you, because just a lot of people been there, but when I first met you, you was kind of the person that stuck there, like, no matter what, like, even if the other, like, people had other things to do, you were still there for me, like, and that's why I liked about you, because I know, like, you not gonna, if you mess with me, you gonna mess with me, like, till I get where I need to be, like. For real, for real. And, you know, I know, like, you out of everybody, like, you're really somebody I feel like I could call on because, I don't know, I don't feel like you just do it to do it. I feel like you do it because you really love to do it and you really, like, you just, I don't know if I'm gone for a certain amount of time. Like, you check up on me. Not a lot of people do that. And I be seeing it. I might not take it back. But I, but <laughs> no, but I see it. The number of times that you haven't texted me back, man. Oh, yeah, I see all of it. That's just that let me know that I got the whole the whole conversation is all blue, <laughs> no gray. <laughs> nah, but like yeah, like if I don't got nobody that care about myself, I can't really. No, I, I appreciate that, man. And it's the feelings mutual. Honestly, um, you're someone who's really helped me out and who inspires me. You know, I know your life hasn't been all roses and you haven't always made the perfect decisions, but I know deep down inside of you, like. There's a good man trying to do the best he can and who's real. And I, you're one of the reasons that I love doing what I do because I see a light. I see a spark inside of you that is like, yeah, he's he's got what it takes. And I think he can make it. I think you can make a difference in his own life and in the lives of his, others and of his family. Thank you. Is there like a longer list of people who have kind of helped out who you would want to give a shout out to? Uh, Miss Holly, Miss Pam, S.B. and Christina, and Willie, Frank too, <laughs> the bus driver Frank, and the uh, janitor Frank. It's a pretty solid list. Well, I think that about wraps it up. You've inspired me plenty. Yeah. I think everybody out there has, has plenty to chew on, so... This has been Escape the Bubble podcast. It comes right out of Escape Ministries in Holland, Michigan. Uh, we're dedicated to opening up relationships, resources, opportunities to youth, especially those who are often forgotten. Um, man, I would hate if Maurice's story was forgotten. So keep listening. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Spread the word. Uh, let's move towards understanding together as a community. Let's, let's heed some of the words that Maurice gave us today. And let's grow. Let's be better. Thanks, Maurice, for joining us. You welcome. Thanks for having me. This has been Escape the Bubble podcast. I'm your host, AJ Westendorp. And Willie Watt. 
And I'm Maurice. And we're happy to share these stories with you. Hope they make a difference. Be well, guys. Well, what do we do with this? There's a lot there. But I know that my life is better to have people in my life who didn't have their dad around all the time, who see karma as more evident than God, and who have experienced abuse from police in ways that I haven't. It moves me towards compassion, towards understanding, and towards a better future for all. Stories are complex things with beauty woven through and through, and so it is with people. So escape your bubble, see what happens. Let's keep sharing stories. Escape the Bubble podcast is property of Escape Ministries in Holland, Michigan. All the music you hear on this episode is created by Flu God. Thanks for listening. Make sure you catch the next episode because there's some good stuff coming from some absolute heroes.